We'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19 as we continue, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. Now, Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man, the Savior, and the King. Jesus is near in Jerusalem. He'll soon offer himself for the final time as the king of Israel. He will come into the city riding on a donkey, which will, of course, fulfill Zechariah 9.9. And we find it this time as we study our passage. He's coming through the city of Jericho, which is east of Jerusalem. It is the last big city before he comes to the capital. The last time we saw that he was entering the city, there was a blind man at the edge of the city who had already trusted in Jesus as Savior. He was calling Jesus the Son of David, which is the title of the Messiah and the King. This morning, we're going to see a very famous story, one that many of you may have heard when you were little bitty, when you were children, when you were growing up at church. It's the story of Zacchaeus. This is the, the little man who climbed up into the, the tree to see Jesus. Well, we're going to see what's going on, and, and he wants to see Jesus. As we study this passage, though, we're going to see a great truth from the Word of God and a great truth from Jesus, and that is this, that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So there's some great things there as we study the passage. Right at the end, what we're going to do too, we read uh, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to touch just very briefly at the very end, verses 11, 12, and 13, which is a parable that Jesus gives. We're just going to get started on it because it has to do with the kingdom, and we'll touch on it next time. Our goal is as we study this, we'll see Jesus as the Savior, the one who has come to seek and save the lost. Well, I think one of the questions that people ask him, One of the great questions is, why did Jesus Christ come? Why would he leave the glories of heaven to become a person? As Philippians says, he left the glories of heaven, took on the form of a a servant, became a human being. Why? Why would he do that? Of course, the answer is very clear from the Scripture. He came to save mankind. He came to be the Savior, the sacrifice, and the substitute for the sins of the world. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his Son. So it's powerful. We know that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and that we need a Savior, that our works cannot save us. We saw several weeks ago that it is impossible for a person to save themselves. We all need a Savior. And Jesus is the Savior. And in our passage this morning, we're going to see clearly that he came to seek and save those who are lost. And some people have said, well, then who are the lost? Who did he come to save? Well, that's every person because we're all lost. This morning, as we look at Luke 19, we see Jesus as he seeks and saves this man called Zacchaeus. Now, as Jesus enters uh, Jericho, we're going to meet this man. And see, what he wanted to do was see Jesus. He didn't realize that Jesus was looking for him. And so the passage ends with this great truth of seeking and saving. So there's some great things. My prayer is this, that every one of us in this room, that you realize that Jesus Christ came into this world to seek you and to save you, that he came to give you eternal life simply as a gift by faith. Well, this morning, the famous story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector who trusted in Jesus. Let's begin. Jesus has come to the city of Jericho. The city is about 18 miles from Jerusalem to the east. It's, the, it's a famous city because it's called the, the City of Palm Trees. You remember this is where Joshua fought the battle, and this is where they marched around, the nation of Israel marched around the city. They marched around it once for six days, one time, and then another time, and another time, each for six days. And then on the seventh day, they marched around it seven times, shouted, and the whole walls came uh, falling down. So that's Jericho. If you remember that, if you leave, if you were going to Jericho and you came through the city and you kept going, you'd have about 18 miles till you got to Jerusalem. As you go, you would go up and down over some hills, and then finally there would be a, a hill that was pretty high, and as you got to the top of it, it was called the Mount of Olives, and there were three little cities up there. One was called Bethage, the other was called Bethany, and there's a city that's really just not even named. Just, we just don't know. It's another city there. And as you got to the top, you could look across and see Jerusalem. You came down the side of the hill across a little valley called the Kidron Valley's, 
Most of the time it did not have water in it. It was called a wadi, which means sometimes in rain there's water, but most of the time there's not any water. You would cross the Kidron Valley, go up what's called Mount Zion or Mount Moriah into a gate called the Eastern Gate or sometimes called the Golden Gate, and you would enter into the city. That's Jesus' plan. He's planning to go from Jericho to Jerusalem. He's right now in Jericho, and he's stopping. And, and, and the plan, it looks like he's just planning to go through the city because on the hour of the city we saw last time, there was the beggar calling out and shouting out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And people were saying, would you be quiet? Would you be quiet? But Jesus heard it, and Jesus knew that by him calling him Son of David, that he was a believer. And he called him over and said, what do you want? And he said, I want to see, because he was blind. And he said, See, and immediately he could see, and he followed Jesus. We saw that. Now, this morning, we're going to see as Jesus goes into the town, he's going to meet a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And as we said earlier, that Zacchaeus is trying to find Jesus. He thinks, I'm looking for Jesus. He doesn't realize Jesus is looking for him. Let's break down the passage this morning. First of all, Zacchaeus becomes a believer. This is the ten verses we're going to see. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. We see Jesus calls Zacchaeus in verses 5 and 6. We see the crowd's response to this. And then we see Jesus. Zacchaeus, new life, what, what he thinks. And then finally, Christ's purpose, the whole issue, salvation. Well, let's see this famous story. Jesus is entering the city, and we meet Zacchaeus. Look at verse 1, chapter 19, Luke 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, I said Jericho is about 18 miles east of Jerusalem, the last big city. This is sort of his last big stop. We're going to find that he actually goes to the little cities. He's going to go into Jerusalem, go in and turn around and go right back up. He does not spend the night in Jerusalem when he gets there. He goes back up to Bethany, one of the little bitty towns, one of the little bitty places. But this is the last big city. And it looks like it. he's passing through, it says, and he was passing through. It looks like he's not planning to stop. But when you look at the passage carefully today, he's going to stop because he's going to stay at Zacchaeus' house. Now, look what happens. We're going to meet this man, Zacchaeus, verse 2. And and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, we meet this man. His name is Zacchaeus. Now, the name Zacchaeus comes from the root word in Hebrew for righteous. So his name meant righteous, the righteous one. Now, we all know the children's story of this little man, and they call him the little man he couldn't see, and so he ran up, and he climbed up in a tree and looked there, and then Jesus came up and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, and, and we know that story. But Zacchaeus, his name means the righteous one. But notice what it says. He was a tax collector and was rich. Now, I want you to understand that his name did not match who he was because he wasn't righteous because he was a tax collector. And most people there would not like him. If you understand this, that in that day and time, the tax collector were Jewish people who worked for the Roman government. They collected the taxes. They would go to a person and say, you need to pay a hundred. The Roman government had said, you have to get 50. Anything you get above that, you can keep. So they would go and say, you got to give 100. So they'd give 50 to the Romans. They'd keep the rest themselves. They got richer and richer and richer. Everybody knew that they were taking more than they were supposed to, but that's the way it was. They thought the Romans would back it anyway. And so most people called them traitors. Most people said, oh, you're a traitor, you're a cheat, you're a liar. They were hated and despised by the people because they made their money off the excess from the people. Now notice something about it. He wasn't just a tax collector. Notice it says he was a chief tax collector. 
that meant that all the other tax collectors had to give something to him. See, there'd be a tax collector, he would be by a bridge, and as you crossed over the bridge, they would count the number of wheels on your wagon or whatever you were coming on across, and they would charge you money for that. Or sometimes if you were at the edge of the of the sea, Sea of Galilee, and you came up in a boat, the tax collectors there to were to tax you. There were also other tax collectors that sat at the tables, as they called it, and you had to pay personal personal taxes. Well, this man oversaw all of the tax gatherers, all the tax collectors, so he got a cut of everything they got. So not only was he, he was getting rich, but he was getting rich off everybody, and so he was a chief tax collector, hated by the people. He was rich. Now, what do we know about him? We say, well, I mean, we know that he was a rich guy. We know, uh, but there's something that we didn't realize. He wants to see Jesus. Maybe he's hurt. Why would he want to see Jesus? Because we're seeing in verse 3 that he wanted to see Jesus. In fact, he even runs and climbs up in a tree to see Jesus. Why did he want to see Jesus? Maybe he's heard about him. Maybe he wants to see if Jesus is the Messiah. Maybe he's heard that Jesus of Nazareth, who's coming through, is, is the Savior. You know, he can't think about his life. He knows that he's done a lot of things wrong. It may be that he's thinking, you know, maybe it's time that I really wonder about what's going to happen to me. And, and maybe this Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, is the Savior. And so he wants to see him. Look at verse 3. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. Now, he was trying to see Jesus, but he's not able to. Why? Because of the crowds. Now, some of you cannot identify with this. But I can. And you're in a crowd, and everybody, and you go, and what is going on? Does anybody know what's going on? I can't see anything, right? This is Zacchaeus. Jesus is coming, and he's saying, what does he look like? I want to see him. And he can't see because all the people are tall. Taller. Let's put it this way. He says he was small in stature. He was a short guy. Don't use the word short very often, but he was a short guy. And he couldn't see, and he wanted to see Jesus. So look what he did. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through this way. Now, if you don't understand the culture, you'll read right past this. He ran ahead. In that culture, men did not run. Important men did not run. Now, boys may run, and kids may run, and sometimes women may run, but men, they did not run. If you're important, if you're rich, if you're the tax collector, you walk where you go because you're important. But he's not walking. He's running. He ran on ahead. Now, you know what this gives? This, this shows us some humility here. It shows that, that he, he, he doesn't care how it looks right now. He, what's important to him is seeing Jesus, not how he's looking. He doesn't care what he has to do. It's so important to him that he sees Jesus that he runs. It says that he climbed up into a sycamore tree. Now, I want you to realize it's not like our sycamore tree. It was actually called a mulberry fig tree. They were trees that were not very tall, and they had these little bitty figs on them, little bitty... Uh, there's some fig trees that had huge figs, but these were called the mulberry fig tree, little bitty figs, but, and they were easy to climb because, you know, there's some trees, If you when you were younger, if you ever climbed trees when you are a kid, you know, there's some trees you can hardly get to, and then there's some that are just branches where you can just reach down. Well, this tree, these were the easy trees to climb. So here's this small man, short man runs, climbs up this tree and in order. Why? In order to see him. You can actually see him. He's probably up in the branches 
And he's looking because the crowds are everywhere. He's now above the people and he can see and he sees Jesus coming. And of course, as Jesus is coming, there's just people everywhere. We saw this as Jesus came into the city. There were all these people and, and that's why the blind man said, what's going on? What's going on? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth passing by. He began to shout out and that's when Jesus stopped and said, tell the man to come over here. And they had to part the crowd to get the man there. Well, here's Jesus going through the city of Jericho and there's people everywhere and this man's up in the tree and he can see Jesus. Jesus, he's finally got a glimpse of him. And it says, he was up there in order to see him, for he was about to pass that way. This is his chance to see Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this man, despised by the Jews, not respected in the city at all, but probably the richest man in the city. And there he is up in a tree looking for Jesus. Now, I want you to realize something. He was looking for Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus was looking for him. See, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And you have to realize something that we may not always think about, that God's looking for us. That when Adam and Eve sinned, you realize this, when Adam and Eve sinned, we're studying this on Sunday nights, we're in Genesis chapter 4, but back in chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, they went and hid. And God came looking for them. He came and said, Adam, where are you? Now, he knew where he was, but he came looking for him. It is God who comes looking for us. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray, each one our own way. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not one that seeks after God. We're doing our own thing. It is God who comes looking for us. It is God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, God is looking for us. And you may not realize that. See, a lot of people think, well, I was looking for God. You weren't looking for God. You were dead in trespasses and sins, and God in His grace and mercy was looking for you. And He drew you to Himself, and He sent His Son to die in your place, that He had the Holy Spirit convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's what the Bible teaches us. See, God loves us. God sent His Son. God draws us to Himself. It's God who's looking for us. So He says that Zacchaeus, who, who thinks he's looking for Jesus, he doesn't realize it. Jesus is looking for him. Watch what happens, verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Now you can see Jesus going through the, the town, you know, going through the streets, and there's a tree there. People are probably not even looking up. And there's Zacchaeus up there, and, and Jesus stops and looks straight up at him and says, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to stay at your house today. Now there's several things that I think of when I see this. What about the rest of the crowd? They're all going, why would, you, why, would you, why would you want to stay with this guy? Most of the people in the town knew who he was. But here's the second thing. What about Zacchaeus up in the tree and Jesus goes, Zacchaeus, come on down. If I was Zacchaeus, I'd say, how did he know my name? How did he know my He knew my name. He looked right at me and called my name. How would he know my name? Because he knows everything. You realize he knows everything about every one of us in this room. He created you. He formed you when you were in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. He knows your name. Look what he says to him. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For today I must stay at your house. He says, quickly come down. This is going to be a unique day. This is going to be a special day. Because he says, I'm going to stay at your house. Really, it, we thought originally that Jesus was just 
passing through. Because it said he was passing through, but he's not passing through. He says, now, today, I'm going to stay at your house. Well, how long is he going to stay? He didn't say. He didn't say anything about time. Is he going to spend the night? We don't know. All he says is, I'm going to your house. Now, think about this. Out of all the people in Jericho, he picks what we might say is the worst guy to go to his house. What was the crowd thinking? All those people around there said, wait a minute, why would he pick him out? He's the worst man in town. He's the tax collector. He's the cheater. He he takes our money. Jesus is good. Zacchaeus is bad. And Jesus is going to his house. Look at the response by Zacchaeus. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. Now, when it says he quickly climbed down out of that tree and says with joy he received him gladly. This means to receive him into his home. Now, you can't always tell exactly what's going on, but the best we can see is Zacchaeus came down and then Jesus and Zacchaeus and, of course, the crowd are all going to Zacchaeus' house. They're going there. And what's going to happen? We're going to see that about the time they get to the house... They're going to stop. And Zacchaeus is going to say something to Jesus, but it's a public statement. Everybody can hear it. And then Jesus is going to say something, but he's not going to say it to Zacchaeus. He's going to say it to the crowd. We'll see it in just a minute. Now, let's think about this. What do you think Zacchaeus is thinking? He's saying, he knew my name. He wants to be at my house. He is the Savior. He's the one I've been hearing about. It may be it. Here's what I believe. I believe right there, Zacchaeus believes in Jesus Christ as his Savior, that he believes Jesus is the Messiah. Now, we're going to see in just a minute what Zacchaeus says and what Jesus says. There's no doubt about it. This man is trusting Christ, and he may have trusted him right there. We see that he believes in Jesus Christ as his Savior, and we'll see in a minute by what Jesus says. But I, I think that he came down out of that tree and realized, you know, I was looking for him, but he looked right up at me and said, come on. Now, before we get to the house, what does the crowd say? Verse 7. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, when the crowd saw this, you know what they said? This is not fair. This is not fair. Why? He's going to the house of a sinner. He doesn't deserve to get to be with Jesus. I mean, isn't that right? Out of all the people in town... This guy is the worst. He's taken everybody's money. He's rich. He's, he's no telling what all people think about him. And now he's going to get to be with Jesus. And you can see the people saying, that's not fair. He doesn't deserve to get to be with Jesus. Well, guess what? Nobody deserves to get to be with Jesus. It says, he's gone to the house of a man who is a sinner. Let me ask you something. Who in that crowd wasn't a sinner? Do any of us in this room deserve to get to be with Jesus? The answer is no. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We deserve death and separation. We, like sheep, have gone astray, each one our own way. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not one of us that seeks after God, and yet in the grace of God, we get to be with Him. Nobody deserves to get to be with Jesus. And when that crowd is fussing and saying, He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner, everyone in that crowd was a sinner. And nobody deserves to be with Jesus. This is why it's called grace. There is none righteous, no, not one. All our righteousness is filthy rags. There's not one thing we could ever do. 
And yet in the grace of God, He allows us to be with Him forever. It is by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. By the grace of God, any one of us in this room who believe in Jesus Christ, and I hope and pray that every one of you in this room have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, by the grace of God, you get to be with Him. You don't deserve it. None of us do. It's the grace of God. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you can just see those people going, Can you believe that? Look whose house he's going to. He's going to the house of Zacchaeus, the sinner. And Jesus could say, Okay, anybody that has no sin, I'll go to your house. Watch what happens. They're on the way. And I think they get to the house, and this is when Zacchaeus says something. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone or anything, I will give back four times as much. Now, the way it's, it's stopped and the way he's going, even though he's talking to God, to, the, to Jesus, it's, it's, it's public. And what he wants people to realize and what he wants Jesus to realize is, I'm a changed person. I'm not the same. I've trusted in Christ. He's realized that Jesus is his Savior and Messiah. And so he says, you know, I I recognize that I've done a lot of things wrong. And and I'm going to correct that. I'm going to give. Notice what he says. Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I'm going to give to the poor. He realizes that he's been wrong on a lot of things that he's done. He's taken advantage of people and his wealth is from what he's done. And he says, you know, I'm going to give away half of my possessions to the poor. I I realize everything I have is really from God. I mean, I've got all this and I'm going to give it to the poor. And then notice what he says. And if if I have defrauded anyone or anything, I will give back four times as much. That if in the Greek is what we call the first class if, which means if and it's true. He's not saying if by chance I would have defrauded someone. No, he's saying if and it's true. I have defrauded a lot of people. Whatever I've done, I'm going to give back fourfold. Notice if I've defrauded anyone and I have anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. He's going back to the Mosaic Law, Exodus 22, verse 1. If you stole a sheep from somebody, you had to give back four sheep. He's saying, whatever I've stolen from people, whatever I've done wrong, I'm giving back four times as much. He's just following the law. He's saying, I'm a changed man. I'm a new person. I realized that how I was living and what I was doing was wrong, and I believed in Jesus as my Savior, and, and I'm changing my lifestyle. I'm, I'm going to give away half my stuff, and I'm going to pay back what I've done wrong. He's a changed person. I want you to understand that's true for all of us in this room. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, you're changed. Before salvation, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. When you trust in Christ, you're now alive spiritually. You're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are gone. New things have come. What is the goal of all of us who are new creations in Christ? It is to live out who we are. To be children of God. To live as children of God. Ephesians 4.1 Walk worthy of the call in which we've been called. We're called children of God. We're to live different lives. So what is Zacchaeus doing? He's saying, listen, I'm a different person and I'm going to live like a different person. Every one of us in this room who know Christ could say, guess what? When I trusted in Jesus Christ, I became a different person and I'm going to live as a different person. Now there are a whole bunch of Christians who know Jesus Christ as Savior, who don't live out who they are. They just don't. We should. Zacchaeus said, I'm changing right now. I'm giving back. I'm giving back half. I'm giving away half of what I got, and I'm paying back fourfold on anything that I've stolen. 
Now watch what Jesus says. And he says this to the crowd. He doesn't say it to Zacchaeus. Verse 9. And Jesus said to him. Now he's saying it to him, but it's to the crowd. Because watch. Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Jesus says plainly that today salvation has come to this house. Today, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house because he also is the child of Abraham. We'll talk about it in a second. But what did he say? Salvation has come. See, there are a lot of uses of the word salvation. It could be a physical salvation. It could be delivered from an enemy. But a lot of times, in many of the places in Scripture, it's talking about eternal life salvation. That's what it's talking about here. He says, today, eternal life salvation has come to this household. This man has believed in Jesus and he has eternal life. And notice what he says. He, too, is a son of Abraham. I want you to understand that Abraham was known as a man of faith. To call him a son of Abraham was a unique statement. Abraham was called a man of faith, a man who believed God. Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. When he said he's the son of Abraham, he wasn't saying, you're a Jewish man. He, he was a Jewish man. Everybody already knew that. To be called a son of Abraham would be a person who believed God. This man has believed God's plan and believing that Jesus is the Messiah. And to be called a son of Abraham is to say, I believe God's message. Now, every one of us in this room, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you could be called a son or a child of Abraham because Abraham was a man who believed God and you believed God. You trusted in Jesus as your Savior. And so I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, that you'd say, I am a child of Abraham. Doesn't mean you're Jewish. That has nothing to do with that. His statement is saying that you are a believer because Abraham was a believer Abraham was a man who believed God. You're someone who believed God. Now, he says, Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Do you realize that Zacchaeus' name now fits him? See, his name means righteous, and for a long time he wasn't righteous, but now that he's believed in Jesus Christ, he's become righteous. Romans 4 or 5 says, To him who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. Every one of us in this room, when you believe in Jesus as your Savior, God gives you righteousness. So every one of you would be righteous as well. So now his name fits him. He's a righteous man. Jesus ends this with his key statement. Notice what he says. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Here's his purpose. To seek and save the lost. I want you to think about it. To seek. He comes to find us. He came into this world. He left the glories of heaven to become a person. It is God who so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus Christ came to find us. To seek and then to save. To give us eternal life. It's simply by faith. It's not by our works. We go from death to life. We go from darkness to light. We go from separation to eternal life. Simply by faith. He came to seek and to save the lost. And who are the lost? Every one of us. Every human being is coming to this world dead in trespasses and sins and lost. And when he saves us, we're no longer lost. We are now found and we're with him forever. My prayer is that every one of you would understand God's plans and purpose through Jesus Christ to seek you and to save you. That he came for you to die on the cross and pay for your sins. And he says, I will give you eternal life as a gift simply by faith. Wow. Now, 
I want to end very quickly with verses 11, 12, and 13, and here's why. Right there, right where he's talking, all these people are gathered, and so he decides to give a parable. Notice what it says. While they were, this is verse 11. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they were supposed, they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Now, a lot of people had gotten the idea that Jesus is fixing to go to Jerusalem and he's going to whip the Romans. He's going to move them out of the way. He's going to take over and he's going to rule as the king of David. You know, he's going to rule like the king of David, the great son of David over Israel and over the world. That, they think, a lot of people think he's going into Jerusalem to be king of the world he's already told them I'm going to Jerusalem to die and he wants them to understand that this time he's going to Jerusalem to die he's going to go and then come back and be the king so notice the parable he said he told this parable because they thought it was going to happen immediately and he said verse 12 so he said a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return and he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and he said to them do business with this until I come back now we're going to see this next week but I want you to grasp it that the nobleman is Jesus the kingdom is this world because what he's done is he's going from the earth he's going back to heaven and then he's going to return as the king so he's going basically the truth is Jesus died on the cross paper sin rose again ascended into heaven he's receiving the kingdom from the father and as he comes back the second time he comes back as the king that's what the parable is about the ten servants represent the believers it represents all of us who know, know Jesus and when he says to do business until I come the idea is to serve until he returns we're going to see the parable next week I just wanted to get you started in it when you see the parable next week the bottom line is as we wait for Jesus to come as the king, we need to be faithfully serving him with what he has given to us. We'll see that next week. What have we seen this morning? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Jesus sees Zacchaeus, goes to his house. Zacchaeus becomes a believer. He's a changed person. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. And he calls him a son of Abraham. Let me give you quickly some applications. So first of all, understand Christ's plan to seek and save lost people. Why would Jesus come to this earth? Why would God so love the world that he would send his son? It was to redeem us and to save us. I want you to understand, A, Jesus came to seek us. God so loved the world he gave his son. Jesus came. Isaiah 53, he came to find us because we all like sheep had gone astray, each one our own way. So he is the Savior. He has come to find us. But part two is he came to save us. And that's why he came. Why would he die on the cross and pay for sin? Because his plan was to die in our place, to be our substitute, to be the final payment for sin, and to offer eternal life to all who believe. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, by grace you're saved through faith. Colossians 3, 26, uh, Galatians 3, 26, you're all children of God by faith. Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God's salvation to everyone who believes. All the way through the scripture, 150-something places, over 150 places in the New Testament, he says you're saved simply by faith. If you want to do something between now and next Sunday, take the Gospel of John. Read the Gospel of John. Every time it says you're saved by faith, write it down. There are 98 places in the Gospel of John. So that would be something to do if you wanted to. Okay? It's a lot of stuff. But probably you ought to be studying for your big test. Okay? Anyway, second, we are changed people by faith in Christ. We are. A, we're a new creation. 
Any man be in Christ, you're a new creation. You're not the same as you used to be. You were dead in sin, now you're alive in Christ. You were in darkness, now you're in light. You were dead, now you're alive. You were destined for the lake of fire, now you have eternal life. So we're new creations in Christ. Be We are to live out who we are. We're to walk worthy of our calling. You're to live as a child of God. That's what Zacchaeus was doing. He's saying, I'm a changed person. I'm a new person in Christ. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give away half my stuff because I stole it all anyway. And I'm going to give back. I'm going to give back this. I'm going to do this. I realize what my life is all about. What are we supposed to do? We belong to Jesus Christ. How are you supposed to live? You're a child of God. You're a child of Abraham, a person of faith. We're to walk worthy. Last but not least, and this has to do with that little parable, we're to serve Christ as we wait for the kingdom. Uh, We are to be faithful servants of Jesus Christ as we wait for him to come back. He has deposited to you gifts, talents, and abilities to be used. And when he comes back, he's going to check on it. He's going to see how you did with what he gave you. And we'll see that next time. May we understand God's plan to seek and save us. And, And we know that we become new creations in Christ by faith. And we're to live out who we are as we await the return of our Savior and our King. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for all of these things. Lord, may we understand your plan to seek and save us. And and we know you came and left the glories of heaven to come to this earth to die for us and pay for our sins. And you save us simply by faith. And we are new creations in Christ. And we're not to live the way we used to live. We're to live a new way and and, and live out as as a child of God and to walk worthy of our calling. And Lord, also... We are to use the gifts and talents and abilities you've given us to serve you faithfully as we await the return of our Savior and our King. Thank you, Lord, for this passage. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.